and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And joining us once again is uh, Alexandra Cole. Alexandra, how are you? I am great and I'm happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, Hi, it, it's a different vibe, of course. It's a different vibe now that it's just me, but we've, we've had plenty of uh, fun, I guess you call them solo episodes. And hey, we're going to keep the fun up because we are talking about a film I consider to be wonderful, at least. I don't know how Alex feels yet. Uh, Summer Wars. <laughs> Let's just let's just uh, early thoughts, uh, entry level thoughts, Alex. What did you feel about Summer Wars? Oh my God, so many thoughts. It is okay from outside perspective and just from I guess skimming over the summary of the movie and watching a trailer as many people would before they watch a movie. You kind of like see almost like a simplistic plot line of like. I'm not going to go through it now. I'm going to let you describe the film, oh, yeah. Jack. But we'll, it looks we'll... a lot more simple than it actually is, and it's. It's such a beautiful conglomeration of uh, different metaphors and running themes that weaves together so effortlessly and so wonderfully and joyfully, I would say. It's just, it's a, it's a pleasure to watch. It's wonderful. I was bawling at the end. That is what I wanted to hear. Again, um, you know, anytime I, you know, most of the guests I have, we, we go in blind. That's the fun part about this podcast. And so I'm always a bit nervous. But, but clearly you had a good time. So I'm going to briefly talk about the history segment of this. We've actually covered this director before. Alex was not present on this episode, so I'm just going to give her a quick rundown. The director of Summer Wars is a man by the name of Moru, Mamoru Hosada. Mamoru Hosada, his, one of his early jobs was working on the fantastic little kids cartoon Digimon. And in fact, Summer Wars is low-key a remake of a Digimon short he directed. Okay, Jack, I have to add in my tidbit here. I know you're doing your history recap, but oh. when I saw that he had done the Digimon movie, my God, the childhood flashbacks. I was a huge Digimon fan. I binged that cartoon. I had one of those detector things that was like a Digimon style Tamagotchi back then. Oh my God. When I saw that he had directed the Digimon movie and Digimon episodes, Jack, what a pick. Thank you for letting me rediscover this this director. Okay, fantastic. And since you have context, that means I can uh, go into it a bit deeper. So I'm just going to go off the top of my head. The the Digimon movie, which which you and I all watched as, you know, North American children, the Digimon movie that he directed, he actually only directed one third of that movie because the Digimon movie that came to America was, in fact, an allegation of three different shorts because they didn't actually have enough material to make a full-blown Digimon movie to release into American theaters. So his short is uh, the short known as Our War Game. So when they're making this, this, I'll just call it Digimon USA uh, for the sake of ease. Digimon USA, they had to rewrite the script and tie in three different shorts that had nothing to do with each other <laughs> and turn it into a somewhat cohesive movie. So uh, the script that uh, Mamoru Hosada wrote... Uh, or not wrote, I th he was just the director. Either way, uh, you know what I mean. That script is a bit butchered, although I, I watched a, a like 480p version of his uh, Our War Game short, and I did recognize some jokes that, that made it into the American release that I still remembered, so that was a delight. Uh, I just wish there was a better transfer of it that I could find. I had no idea that it was three shorts woven into one movie. It seemed pretty cohesive to me. But then As again, child, I feel like nine-year-olds can fill in the blanks pretty well with their imagination. <laughs> yeah, as as a child, I'm sure. I, I watched like a YouTuber dig into it and you're like, oh, wow, this is this is weird. 
there's there's like just <laughs> a lot of weird jokes. Uh, I do love the soundtrack to to Digimon USA because it, it had like Smash Mouth and Bare Naked Ladies. It it had some real bops. God, it was a killer movie. It was a killer movie. Hey, for for what it's worth for nine year olds, um, yeah, it was great. Again, we could, we could talk all all along about Digimon because yeah, it is funny that he basically yeah. He, so this short hour war game, brief summary of it: the Digimon kids they're 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 chilling. Then um, a, an evil Digimon hacker has kind of taken over. the The characters have to solve the problem. They enter the digital world. It ends with. Um, what is it? The the people of the people of the world uh, joining in their praises for the Digimon and help them save the day. So there were some things I recognized from our war game that did make it into Summer Wars, which is oh, always pretty cool. funny. I'm definitely yeah. seeing that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The climax is quite similar. And also, obviously, uh, Hosada's uh, uh, fascination with, you know, digital worlds is something that's obviously he carried over into Summer Wars and also his most recent film, Bell, also uh, took on social media and digital worlds. I prefer Summer Wars. That's that's my take. When I saw Bell, I was kind of disappointed because Summer Wars is just that good. That's for another discussion. Anyways, Hosada, what is it? So, yeah, his his feature career, Summer Wars is his third feature. He directed a one-piece movie, a, a feature-length one-piece movie. He also directed a critically acclaimed film called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. That leads into the Summer Wars. And yeah, he's made seven films so far in his career. So again, he's done pretty well. His sixth film, Mirai, was actually nominated uh, for Best Animated Picture at the Oscars. It was the first non-Ghibli movie to be nominated. So, you know, guy's doing okay. Hosada, he's, he's got the rep. Very cool. Very cool. He, he's a director to, to look out for. Again, he he was compared to Miyazaki himself. He actually did apply for Studio Ghibli, uh, but he was rejected. Although he got, he received a rejection letter of praise from Miyazaki uh, <laughs> for a rejection letter of praise. That's that's a two handed thing. But well, I think anyways, that's the best that you can get. <laughs> the best that you can get besides getting the job, I suppose. <laughs> and you know, again, he's formed his own studio. He's gone independent. Clearly, clearly, he's doing okay. Mm-hmm. So. Summer Wars, this film came out in 2009. Um, <laughs> Hosada's original vision was that he wanted the family in the film to consist of 80 family members. Oh, geez. It's already confusing <laughs> enough as it is. Yeah, he <laughs> insisted that 80 family members were to be included as main characters. And I think the count is about 20. I, I heard one character mention there's like 20 of them. So 20, that's right. tw- 25. But yeah, that's that's kind of it. Anyways, that that's kind of it. This film was critically acclaimed. It was nominated. I believe it actually won. I'm just going to double check. Didn't get an Oscar nomination. I can tell you that. Up Up was the um, winner for Best Animated Oscar uh, that year. So you I know. mean, to go against Up is a little hard. Uh, you know, I enjoy this film a lot. I don't think we're we're going to dispute Up's credentials. That's a that's no. A pretty... This isn't a this isn't a brother bear situation. <laughs> this this is not a brother bear situation. No. Oh my god, that was a fun one. Um, awards and nominations. Yeah, it won the uh, Animation Division Grand Prize at the 13th Japan Media Arts Festival. Yeah, they they did submit it for Best Animated Feature for the 83rd Academy Awards. It did not make it in there. Yeah, it won an award of excellence in animation along with four other films at the 33rd Japan Academy Prizes. That's my history segment. Uh, not a super long one. Let's get into this wonderful movie. Welcome to the world of Oz. That's how it opens. 
Again, this movie, it comes out in 2009. Social media exists. Facebook for me, let me know how many parties I wasn't invited to as, as a 16 year old <laughs> boy. That was when I was like, oh, oh, I'm not invited to that many parties. So that, that was my experience with social media. That was back when everybody was posting entire albums of their outings. How embarrassing. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine now? Well, now it's just stories, which are slightly less embarrassing and they're 24 hours. Although, you know, there's still still people I know who post on Facebook, even though it's mostly boomer book at this point. Yeah. But I mean, at least it's not 48 photos of one night at Gorgamesh. Like, I just. <laughs> oh, God, Gorgamesh. I, I had one night. I had one night there. Not a good night. Uh, I think one night at Gorgamesh is probably enough. <laughs> it, it was very much enough. So <laughs> welcome to the land of Oz. It's this incredible digital world. Obviously, the Digimon credentials are very present in this scene. I mean, the animators clearly had a wonderful time there. I, I can't begin to describe how many just weird creatures we're seeing, but. Oh, you know. there was so much creativity, wasn't there, Jack? Yeah, I mean, when you have something like a digital world or a fantasy world, especially when you're given the budget to do so, it's just animators just get to, to go wild. Yeah, they went to town, eh? That entire intro, like, they somehow managed to make it visually overwhelming, joyful, and yet so open and spacious at the same time. Don't you find? Like, they completely achieved that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking about his most recent film, Bell, which, which is, uh, again, it, it talks about social media as well, but... You know, anytime animators have that kind of freedom and you can also just tell where the budget goes. Not that I don't love the uh, the the human scenes, but you can certainly tell where they're kind of saving money there. And they're like, OK, sweet. We've, we've got these, you know, 20 minutes to just go fucking bonkers. King Cosma. He's a badass, isn't he? Oh, I mean, he's the best. Who would have thought a, that he was a kid? <laughs> I mean, he's a Digimon right there. Like, that's just straight up a Digimon design, it looks like. He even resembles a Pokemon that, that debuted like about like nine years after. There's there's a Pokemon called Cinderace that's also bunny themed. So, you know, I'm I'm using all my uh, monster collecting knowledge when I watch this stuff. Again, okay, it looks like that. That looks like that. That looks like <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean I guess there's only so many ways you can take a humanoid bunny rabbit martial artist character, but mm -hmm. yeah. King Cosma, fantastic design. And so, you know, we're getting this wonderful montage of the Land of Oz. And then we cut to the real world with our boy Kenji. And he is a moderator and uh, his world, a bit less visually interesting. Yeah, definitely less visually interesting. And it's amazing how um, this entire film kind of centers around him as the main character. And he really ties together this entire running theme of belonging throughout uh, and, co and connection throughout this entire film. Because like... He'll be invited to and he'll be asked to do all of these different things. And in his urge for like the sense of belonging and like purpose and like I must be useful for something and I must be, you know, liked for something like his skill in math. He'll just unquestionably go ahead and take every invitation and accept everything that's thrown his way and just like do it, you know? Love it. So, so, uh, yeah, Kenji. So he's he keeps the plot going. <laughs> he definitely does. He's a fun protagonist. And then we have uh, our other co-protagonist, Natsuki. She barges in. She invites uh, Kenji. And I forget who his buddy's name is. His, his buddy is less important, so I'm not going to look it up. But yeah, uh, she she asked the, uh, the two guys who are moderating uh, Oz. You know, if they want to come with her on a trip and it's a trip to the countryside. So, of course, they want to go. Plus, Natsuki's a cute girl. Kenji ends up winning this, whereas his buddy gets to just uh, be left alone and be exposition guy for the rest of the movie. Mm, and spend the rest of the summer in that hot little office. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, that's the other framing device of the film. It's like one of the hottest days in Japan right now. And the internet happens to, to get messed up here. So, yeah, we have King Cosma. He's doing some badass fights. I noted he, like, fought a samurai, a, a lobster, and some faceless goons. Go watch the movie. I can't describe this stuff as well as it's animated. <laughs> but, it, again, visual delight. Kenji does not make the best first impression. He, he, mistakes, he mistakes Natsuki's grandmother for her great-grandmother. So, already not the best foot forward. But anyways, um, Natsuki, she tells her grandma that Kenji is her fiance. So that's kind of the thrust of the film because because Granny, as she's known, um, promised that she she would live to see Natsuki have a fiance. And that's kind of been the whole thing with this. You know, Granny's on her last legs. And can you imagine Natsuki's like entire plot for this? She's just like, you know, no, I'm going to I'm going to lie to my grandmother. I'm going to lie to my grandmother to make her happy. And I'm not just going to tell her that I have a boyfriend or fiance. I'm going to bring a fake one. (laughs) She goes all the way. She goes full in. I love it. Um, Yeah. Granny is a fantastic character. She's obviously the centerpiece of this whole story. Um, So here's what uh, Kenji has to do. He has to act lovey dovey. Say he went to Tokyo U, say he was studying abroad and his family is old. Anyways, we made more of the family. Uh, I, I love the, um, the grandfather, Mansky. He, he, tells the, uh, he tells everyone he's got squid for breakfast. They're all excited. Squid for lunch and squid for dinner, which, which becomes less exciting for everyone. Yeah, they're like, oh, all we have is squid. <laughs> squid. I, I've never, I mean, I've had calamari, I guess that's squid. Yeah, but not, yeah, that's a squid. That's a squid. But like not the squid like they're having. They're having yeah. it in a different way. <laughs> they're having the full thing. And I feel like in Japan, there's just so many different ways of doing squid. So maybe it's not as terrible. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's not what you want to have for like all three meals. Oh, no, I don't think you do. These, these are just my assorted notes. What do you think of uh, Kenji sniffing the water that Natsuki bathes in? Oh, my God. That was such a beautiful moment when he's just like up there to take a bath and he's just like, huh, like he's having his like horny teenage boy moment. And then the two kids pop out of the bathtub. Incredible. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Again, we're talking about a family of like 20, 20 plus people. I don't know. Alex, how big is your extended family? Oh, my God. Tiny, tiny. So watching something like that, whenever there's a movie where there's a large extended family all gathering together and supporting each other and all having very you can see complex and tight and uh secure relationships no matter how functional or dysfunctional they are they're still secure for me it's always such a heartwarming thing to watch and i feel like in japanese film uh at least the ones that i've watched through your recommendation jack uh family is such a huge running motif and i find it's just because it's a cultural thing obviously but i just find it such a heartwarming thing to watch and such a good reminder every time i come away from one of these films is the importance of family and uh how you never know when your last day with a certain family member might be and like that those are the most those should be the most important relationships in your life and how can you go ahead and nurture that so it's just a wonderful takeaway but yeah my extended family is very small (laughs) Mine's like mid-tier. Uh, I, I mean, for, for personal reasons, uh, my, my family only identifies with my mom's side of the family, but my mom came from like, uh, you know, a good Catholic Hungarian family. So she, she has like four of their siblings. So it's like mid-tier size, I guess. So maybe maybe not 20 plus people, but like, you know, I mean, when you factor in like, like uh, cousins and, you know, girlfriends and wives, it's probably about, you know, a dozen 
dozen or so people. So mm-hmm. kind of mid tier, I suppose. Yeah, all those family dynamics are so interesting. And again, this movie's message about family is so sweet. It is. It's really, really sweet. The whole message about community, family, family belonging, the global family and community. Oh, Alex, you're you're already getting ahead of what I'm saying. You're saying it so much better than me. You're the one who's like, <laughs> I don't. You're like texting me. You're like, I don't know if I have a lot to say. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I, can, I can just like coast and let Alex talk this entire time. I don't know. I'm just like oh, the plot on. summary guy. Um, <laughs> Uh, Uncle Wobske, he is the bad boy of the family. Oh my goodness, is he ever. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jack, but whenever one of those bad characters comes into a movie like he does, um, and everybody all of a sudden already starts judging this guy as bad, and you're watching this movie and you're right away going, oh, okay, okay, this is like the villain character or the bad character. I always look for the redemption arc. Like, I always get excited for the redemption arc of such a person in these things, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you know it's coming. It, it, mm-hmm. This is not the type of movie that's going to be that dark, you know. You know, they, they you know, Wobsky's actions, you know, do do cause some pretty tragic circumstances, as we'll get into. So they don't completely leave him off the hook. Uh, he, he does get a bit of a redemption, but he is also left with, you know, so some guilt for what happens, of course. Again, this movie, this movie be good, folks. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Go watch it. I I wish I was a, I wish I could be like the cool bad boy in my family, um, but but I'm not. No one in my family is really a bad boy. My cousin, my cousin, who's also named Alex, he's a rapper, but he's not like that much of a bad boy. He's like maybe like the baby of the family, more the baby. He just than happens the, to rap. <laughs> he just happens to rap, and you know he's 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 got his you know sketchy crew. He's been on the podcast too, um, but you know he's he's a lovely guy. He's a lovely guy. He doesn't get to be the older older family member though mm-hmm. <laughs> not like Wabske. so yeah basically with Wabske, uh natsuki had a crush on him this, and guys this is- it's not weird it's not weird guys <laughs> all the listeners this is not weird and incesty although like maybe very slightly distant family incesty but like not super incesty because uh natsuki uh this character that jack is talking about the main female lead she is very distantly related to Wabske because Wabske is mm her great-grandmother's um, husband's son or something like that. It's just, it's really, really distant. So it's not too incesty, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> really, really distant. Although her second cousin, her second cousin makes a comment when uh, Kenji's being introduced. She's like, I'm your second cousin. Why don't you, why don't you consult me about this boyfriend or fiance? So mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's more of the weirder one. Uh, but thankfully, Natsuki does not have that type of affection for him. So yeah. The the series the movie does dodge that although I couldn't help but think of uh, uh, House of the Dragon which which just recently finished uh, which a daughter who does get in a relationship with her uncle did I spoil oh, that show geez. no no you know what uh, no no Jack I haven't seen uh-huh. it yet I haven't had a chance I've been watching uh, Wings of Power but it's okay it's okay it's fine I'm just gonna so forget good. you ever said that it's so well a lot of things happen more more things happen uh i i can assure you lots of twists happen it's the game of thrones world bad things happen it's wiped out of my mind yeah that's good (laughs) good show i'm so i'm shocked you haven't watched that i watched rings of power too but i preferred house of dragon but that's just me um anyways that's that's me derailing it um where are we at yeah so wabsky he's the bad boy um then later that night uh, kenji receives like this weird text filled with numbers and it's like a math equation so you know being the math with Tia solves it. And again, uh, as I'm saying, in his like 
complete quest for belonging and feeling like he's use useful somewhere and like needed somewhere and like his skill sets are appreciated he unquestioningly answers this math problem text and send it off he like he doesn't even ask like sorry who is this or like what is this for he's just like oh numbers got it perfect pulling an all-nighter doing this here you go <laughs> this man great just, plot driving kenji thank you <laughs> the the accidental uh accidentally uh started a, a nuclear holocaust potentially just a little little accident anyway so these actions inadvertently activate what's known as love machine which is a virtual intelligence device which uses kenji's account and avatar to hack the infrastructure with the encryption that kenji had inadvertently cracked this stuff is really fun. Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but when we see L Love Machine and his like, um, not base form, his base form is like Kenji's avatar. So basically in his base form, he's he's fighting King Cosma, King Cosma, who is what's what's again, what's the relationship? Kazuma is I'm going to look the, this up. Yeah, Kazuma is the uh, son. Of, Second cousin uh, of Natsuki. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was going to say, he's the son of one of uh, her aunts, so yeah. It's a big family. I can't keep mm -hmm. track. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, does does Natsuki's, yeah, Natsuki's mother doesn't even play too much of a role. She's like stuck in traffic or something during the most of the movie until the very end. So the, the genealogy of the uh, of the Shinohara family is, uh, again, imagine, imagine if uh, Hosada got his way and had 80 family members in this film. Jeez, man. I don't know how you would do a sh like an actual film format length film with that many main characters. Like that, you'd have to, to explain so many plot lines and so many relationships between all these people. It's just it's too much, man. <laughs> I'm sure he mostly just wanted them as background, anyways. But yeah, clearly the animators were like, you know, you you can do the world of Oz to 100 percent, or you could do the 80 person family to 100 percent. Mm -hmm, because it's just like that's a lot of characters. Like, I know yeah. we don't see the Oz characters, like, in detail and get to know them in detail. Um, but, like, it would just be too many things to track on the screen at all times. Like, it's too much. So, so Kazuma, yeah, he's the second cousin of Natsuki. He's, he's uh, you know, he's got that kind of emo hair. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, his avatar. Typical preteen shit, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the Bieber in vogue around that time, I suppose. This was, I think they're um, they're saying it's around 2010 in the film. So I guess okay. it kind of was, yeah. Yeah, it was a Bieber and sort of the tail end of the scene emo kid era. So yeah, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, emo was also a big thing. So yeah, if, if they started production around 2006, plus the, there, there's characters I recognize from other anime around that time that have that kind of similar look. So yeah, mm -hmm. but again, he's got that kind of sad boy look. He's a shut-in, but again... In the virtual world, he gets a badass avatar. And unfortunately, uh, King Cosma takes a couple L's. He he fights Love Machine, wins that initial fight when Love Machine is just using Kenji's avatar. Then Love Machine reveals uh, his, his kind of... I don't know if it's true for him, because he has like... A, again, this, this is where the movie feels more anime, because there's like multiple forms to deal with. But he's got... Um, man, I, I am... I know a bit of the the hindu religion at least the mythology of all that but yeah so his avatar is kind of kind of based on the hindu hindu mythology religion don't don't at me if i refer to it in the the improper way i'm so sorry no i understand what you're saying and uh, but can we talk about how um love machines um the whole idea of him being an avatar and being this like 
kind of malicious character uh, in his own right, like just even as a him in general is so interesting because I just feel like it's the director's and writer's commentary of like how we can program as human beings and as a, what was his name? Wobske? Wobske, right? Wobske, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, how he's, he's basically a programmer that's off in the US that's just kind of Maybe, I don't know if his intent is true, as he has claimed in the movie, he's trying to make his uh, grandmother proud by uh, becoming a really good programmer. And he ends up programming uh, malware, like like um, programs that hack things. And he programs Love Machine, which is an AI that's just meant to uh, be like a master hacking AI. Uh, but the fact that uh, this director and uh, like the writer, I'm not sure if um, Mamoru Hosoda had any a part in writing the movie at all but the way that they make it out did he the writer was a satoko okudara uh, a woman who he's collaborated with a couple times Mm, okay but the way that they work together um in order to create out of this idea it's just an ai like it's just numbers and script to make a malicious character a villain an antagonist out of it is so interesting isn't it because In real life, whenever I feel like people here in reality on the plane that we're discussing this are creating things like AI and programs and um, just numbers and figures, all we see is like, okay, this is going to be a computer software or this is going to be just something that helps us or performs this task. We don't think to humanize it in order to villainize it, right? So I feel like it's uh, there is a little bit of sub-commentary happening on the fact that, hey, like we're creating all these things, but... Just try to keep in mind the kind of destructive power that they can have over people's lives, like the way that they that the the way that they paint Love Machine, right? So I think that's really interesting because they don't just make him a computer program; they make him a him. Man, Alex, again, you're just nailing this shit. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm yeah. just out here watching movies, man. <laughs> you're just you're just watching movies. I know. I'm like shit. You need to host the podcast instead. Goddamn. Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. Also, I, I think my my own take on that, my my kind of political take, the fact that uh, Love Machine purchased or whatever by the U.S. Army and is so malicious, I think that is also a bit of commentary on uh on how um, Hosada views the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, there's a if you let's I, I, to you, dear listeners, um, let's just talk. <laughs> I'm not going to derail this and talk about regime change, but you no, know, no, 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 no. Sometimes the guy. Sometimes the government, you know, we talk about Russian hacking, whatever hacking, China hacking, um, you know, our own governments, they also do the same, uh, sorry to say. So I think that's a very key thing where it's like, yeah, the U.S. purchased love machine. So and I like and I like how they say that I like that they make that part of the story and uh, how they comment on it. um, And I know we're jumping ahead in the plot line that you're following here, Jack, out of what you've written in order to guide us here. But it's all good. We're talking about the interesting (laughs) stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, So just the way that they say how the U.S. has purchased Love Machine and they didn't realize that it would do all of the things that it's doing and uh, has gone completely out of their control is it's it's such a poignant commentary on what kind of um stuff like the US government kind of does. Okay, maybe I shouldn't speak further on this, but no, it's you know fine. what I mean? Like letting things letting things blow out of control a little bit and harming a lot of people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair commentary. And you know, the movie brings it up. It's the movie that's saying this stuff. I think I think it's very clearly the intent. Also, there's a really funny quote that I did write down uh, when um, 
what is it? Uh, when when Kenji when he's when he first meets the Love Machine in the Avatar world, uh, when Love Machine is like breaking all these rules or whatever, he says, "You can't just do whatever you want on the internet. There are rules." And I just laughed because uh, the internet is absolutely where people break the rules all the time. Yeah, and so, it's so sweet, and it makes sense that they would make his character say that because Ken because uh, Kenji is like you know so so naive, you know. Kenji has not gone on 4chan yet. He hasn't discovered that. <laughs> oh, he's man. a good kid. He's, a, he's good a good. He's a good kid. He's not on 4chan, 8kun, or whatever uh, garbage websites there are like that. Anyways, no, he um, seems to genuinely like and respect women. <laughs> God, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, what is it? So, yeah, Kazuma he rescues Kenji, but uh, with King Kazuma, but he is also eventually defeated when Love Machine transforms into a stronger form. Natsuki's family gets mad at Kenji when it's discovered he isn't who he is. So then, um, what is it? Natsuki's second cousin, who is also a police officer, he arrests Kenji. And, you know, doesn't look good for Kenji, but at this point, Love Machine is just causing damage. Um, the montage of, of Love Machine just, you know, ruining all the, the internet infrastructure or whatever that that's just a delightful bit of animation because just the way they articulate it, you know, sometimes he's like knocking down dominoes. Sometimes he's like pulling, what is it like a curtain or something? Yeah. Again. Like a curtain cord and uh, all the like kind of different boxes of organized things fall. And it's just, yeah, it's visually fantastic. It's hard to describe again, watch the movie, but you know, it's, it's a visual feast. The animators are clearly having a, a great time uh, illustrating it in their own fun way. But yeah, so Kenji's arrested. He's with Natsuki's second cousin. But due to, again, all the internet infrastructure being screwy, um, he's stuck in traffic. And that's also preventing a bunch of Natsuki's other family from helping out. And, you know, Natsuki tells Natsuki gets on, I think, like a motorcycle with uh, Wabsuke. And they, you know, they pull up to Kenji and tell him, like, Yo, you're you know you're not going to jail, buddy. There's there's too much traffic here. And thank goodness for that. I mean, if they hadn't gotten him back, then he wouldn't have been able to save the world. But we'll get to yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we already kind of jumped ahead um, about the whole backstory with Love Machine. So there's a confrontation with Granny and Wobske where where you know everyone's getting mad at Wobske, and he tells Granny that the money she gave him actually funded Love Machine. Granny grabs a spear and tells him to get on his feet and die like a man. And she really <laughs> physically threatens him. She's yeah. a badass. Like I, I have to, I have to dive in here into the fact that, oh god, like thank you, Mister Hosoda, for making an old woman such a powerhouse character and leading character in a movie. Like she really, she really drives the movie. Like when everything is going down with Love Machine uh, taking over Oz and messing up the infrastructure of the world, basically because the entire world is relying on technology, which is such a huge commentary on what a mistake it is for um, humanity to do that. And I'd love to go on a little side dive on that later. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, to make her such a driving force in humanity kind of you know rising up against uh that ai blow up and not losing hope completely and actually doing something about it as we can as human beings because we created it so we must be able to manage it she's the catalyst for that kind of rise of strength and that idea that you know if we bond together we can conquer this um it was amazing to watch that they made her the driving character of that 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess, you know, in a different film, they could have made it a story about a, a patriarch, but no, they chose to make it about a 90 year old woman and, you know, how her how the family is so centered around her. Which so, is so fantastic. And I feel like you rarely ever see that. Yeah. I mean, God forbid uh, uh, American media would do that, honestly, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. A strong, powerful, leading very much older woman in a feature film. <laughs> like, yeah. Who is mm-hmm. again, like the, the driving force of this family. And I suppose I've seen that in some movies, generally speaking, a woman like that is not as portrayed as that loving. I mean, that's the thing. Like she's, you know, she gets frustrated with, um, with, uh, Wabske, but again, her message at the end of the film is one of love. This film, this is a good movie, yo. Um, anyways, Granny and Kenji, they play a game of Koi Koi. This game, again, we're, you know, we're, we're two North American people. It's not a game I'm familiar with. It's uh, played with Hanafudu cards. My familiarity with Hanafudu cards is that uh, Nintendo, way back in, the, in like the 1890s, um, sold Hanafudu cards. That's my one knowledge of that. Wow, very cool. Nintendo goes all the way back to 1890. Yeah, they didn't get into games until like the late 70s. They That's were very they were, cool. They were a card. Um, they, were, they were a playing card company and then they got into toys in the 50s. And then, you know, they they got into the arcade business and, you know, the, that's all she wrote. So, well, that's a great little fun fact. I didn't know that. John. Li- Thank you. Great little fun fact. So, yeah, they play this game of Koi Koi. Granny tells Kenji to promise to take care of Natsuki. And then the next morning she dies. And this death is caused partly by Wabske because um, she had angina and that love machine had de- deactivated her heart monitor, basically. Because, uh, well, you know, it was messing everything up for everybody. And uh, her doctor son was monitoring everything through through this Oz, uh, Oz-attached system on his phone uh, where he, you know, maintains and tracks her vitals and everything like that and gives her medication at the proper time. But because Love Machine, who Wobske had created, had messed all that up, he didn't have the proper trackers, it was offline or whatever, and the old lady ended up dying. Yes. I guess this is probably a good point to uh, talk about, you know, how prescient this film is. Because, again, this movie comes out in 2009. It's starts development in 2006. But, you know, obviously the Internet existed in 2009. But, you know, look at 2022 when there's like an Instagram outage or an Internet outage or something. It's a way bigger deal than it was, say, you know, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Blackouts like that affect people so much. It's insane. Our yeah, reliance and, on technology is terrible. <laughs> well, our, our reliance on the internet, like, again, like so many systems are now just connected to that. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, even like payments is like tied to, to not just credit cards, but again, you, a lot of people don't carry cash on them anymore, including me. So if something like that is down, you're just like, oh shit, I can't pay for food until this gets back up, you know? Mm-hmm. Which kind of brings me to what I was saying before about how like I wanted to branch off on this because I was thinking about this, Jack. And uh, if an AI did indeed kind of go against its human creators and uh, well, not maybe against its human creators, but fully fulfill its programming, you know, because it doesn't really have a malicious mind. 
unlike this movie paints it, um, AI is just programmed to do what it does. And maybe it gets a little bit out of control of to of what you wanted it to do and starts doing things that start to harm humanity and want to quote unquote take over humanity. Like what would happen? Because we we have, I was thinking all of these different uh, motorized and engineized uh, vehicles and different processes and things like that, that we could salvage for our own civilization that aren't necessarily controlled by computer systems or AI. Um, but like, would we have to build a separate civilization with all of that? And the AI kind of like controls any kind of technological civilization and starts creating its own bots with its, with their own AI. And like, would, would there be a war between these two civilizations now between this like mechanized humanity that's trying to avoid technology now and this like technology that rules itself? Like, man, I feel like that's a whole other movie. movie. Yeah. That's a whole other movie, <laughs> but it's cool that it gave you a jumping off point to thinking about that for sure. Yeah, but yeah, how like, up would that be, man? Ugh. I know. Uh, yeah, Love Machine is is portrayed as more outwardly malicious, but you could also argue that like technology, a technology like that would be more neutral. But um, it's just you know where where does that neutrality uh, lie? You know that that neutrality may not be on the side of of humanity or or the side that we prefer. You know what I mean? is just doing what it's programmed to do just it's doing a computer it's a it's a sentient uh un, sorry a non-sentient being that's just programmed to do a specific thing and maybe there's an error in the coding because human error happens and humans are the creators of ai and then it goes a little bit out of control but yeah we we could go off on that a lot again the, the movie's bringing up some really cool ideas but it does so in its own little way so i'm kind of jumping ahead so we have like a lot of different family members i want to talk about Monske, who is the, the grandfather. He's always wearing tank tops. He's the guy who who brought the squid in. I noticed one of his tank tops because they changed throughout the movie. One of them had the Mortal Kombat logo, the the dragon logo. As it should. I mean, because he's the one that teaches martial arts to uh, Kazuma, who then brings it into the game to fight. Um, uh, what's his name? Love Machine. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. Monsuke, He even he even has his own avatar, which is like a ninja, which I loved. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I also just like the. Uh, because again, all the family members by the end of the film, they're all joining in and helping out and they have to jack in their own different ways. You know, you have like the flip phones because that's what was kind of in style around the time of the making of this film. You also have what, what I recognize to be uh, the Nintendo DS. So that kind of oh, clamps. Oh man, major throwback, major throwback. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish the Nintendo DS could connect to Facebook like that as it's portrayed in the film. But again, that's not necessarily the DS, a, a DS-like system, but... Again, I, I just, you know, you, you pay attention to how they animate all these different things. And again, the animators are having a wonderful time just being like, you know, which character would have this device? Which character would have that device? Who's going to have a flip phone? Who's going to have something else? Mm-hmm. And like, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun. They get, again, they have like a cast of, you know, 20 plus characters. So they get, just get to kind of pick, be like, okay, this guy's going to have this one. Mm-hmm. But I did like how a, a Nintendo handheld is a bit more modern or or childish than say a a, a flip phone so i like that monske because he's kind of you know a child at heart got to use that (laughs) again monske rules he's like such a dope grandpa i wish he was my grandpa for real yeah he's wonderful he's so nurturing like he's he's energetic i think they were saying that he is the youngest child out of like all the kids that were in that lineup from the grandma so yeah yeah. He, he rules Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we get another Co- King Cosma versus Love Machine round two fight. Um, unfortunately, Love Machine ends up absorbing 
Cosma and he kind of takes this as a win. Meanwhile, Natsuke calls uh, Wabsuke and his password was, in fact, Granny's B-Day, revealing that he still cared about her all this time. Yeah, but- and that was so sweet and kind of unexpected, given the kind of hard exterior that he portrays. Yeah, again, this this film is not cynical. It, it is the opposite of that. And that's, you know, the, the, the world is tough. The world is tough. We, we've covered our share of cynical films uh, before. We just uh, covered Devil Man Crybaby, which is one of the, the most... Uh, I don't know if the word hateful works uh, we've ever covered is the right word, but it, it is a nasty, nasty work, which I enjoyed a lot. But also, it's nice to have some heartwarming stuff mixed into. Yeah, so I, I wrote I didn't write the entire monologue that Granny had in her will, but she basically says, never turn your back on family, even when they hurt you. And remember, if nothing else, to eat together as a family, even when times are rough. There's no lack of painful things in this world. But hunger and loneliness must surely be two of the worst. Thanks to you, my precious family, I didn't know either of those the last 90 years. Oh. Like, god damn, yo. God damn. Was that your reaction when you were watching it? You're just sitting there, you're like, god damn, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, I, I'm curious to see if my own family, because, you know, my, my own family, we have our own share of drama. And, you know, there, there's fam, you know, I'm a talkative person in the family. Even when I have beef with someone, I still try and keep things light. You know, some people, they tend to be more reserved. And I'm like, no, we're like family. Like, why are we being so reserved right now? Isn't that the point of why we showed up for this gathering? The yeah, so we can share. People, you know, people got their own thing. But yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's such a lovely message, you know. Uh, where are we so far? <laughs> Are we ready to? So there's also a big montage of like the rest of the family helping out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. It's a pretty fun one. I liked um, Manscape bringing the uh, the boat. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> what was the purpose of the boat? Was it because was it for the ice or was that something different? Because I know they needed a the the big blocks of ice. Um, uh, the boat was for the engines, I believe. Okay. To drive it, to drive power for the um, what's it called? The computer. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and mm-hmm. the ice is for the cooling systems, and then Natsuki's uh, second cousin, the the one who who may have the hots for her that that the weird cop guy, whatever his name is, um, mm-hmm. he takes those uh, big blocks of ice which are made to cool the the supercomputer, and instead, you know, he's got he's the got right intention. He's, he's got, got a good heart, heart. <laughs> but he fucks up the plan. I'm sorry to say, he's like Granny needs them, and I'm like. I'm sorry. I know Granny is awesome. She was a wonderful woman, but she's deceased. She she doesn't need it. She's not sweating at this point. She's not not sweating. sweating. (laughs) She's she's in a better place. I would hope. (laughs) I would hope. Never know. We don't. We don't. You know. You don't know what kind of God we have until uh, until you to reach it. So who knows? So you have to meet him. Yep. I'm thinking of the uh, the joke in South Park where uh, where everyone they they go to heaven and they find out Mormons were the correct religion, so everyone else just they have to go to hell. They they went to the, they picked the wrong one. Sorry, guys. So funny! I don't even remember that episode. That's so funny. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, say everyone you know you lived a good life, but uh, sorry, you picked the wrong one. It was the Mormons. All right, down you go. <laughs> well, hopefully, Grandma was a Mormon. Yeah, but <laughs> again, that second cousin, the cop guy right intentions uh not the right actions so yeah he's moving the blocks of ice to granny he's like i need it you know she needs to keep cool then what's next um yeah so so after granny's uh will is kind of revealed the family obeys her wishes and they feast before the big battle 
And I oh. love how they're just like ravenously, like very quickly eating the food because there's a countdown clock of like two hours until this uh, this missile uh, that um what's it called that love machine has directed towards the earth and towards them like their home is supposed to hit and they're at like the hour and a half countdown at this point and they had just read her will saying that you know we need to sit down and have a meal together as a family and everything like that so like everybody's imminently gonna die in an hour and a half and they still need to figure out how to stop this miss ellen how to stop this guy and they're just like ravenously eating and like trying to plan everything out (laughs) they're like is this really an appropriate time like to be doing this like should we really be doing this right now yes yes grandma said that this was what we're supposed to do okay i mean like we're all gonna die but no 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 (laughs) it's granny's will it's granny's will um so so they realize that love machine you know love machine um sees this whole thing is just a game and so guess what they play a game to end it and it's koi koi so ties into everything yay good screenplay as we haven't mentioned before for the listeners actually so natsuke was actually really good at koi koi the only person that seemed to uh beat her so far was um evil uncle guy wapsuke Wapsuke. yes the only person that had beat her in koi koi so far in the story was wapsuke um but apparently she was so good at koi koi in their family that they chose natsuke to represent them and the world at large at this game of Koi Koi against this giant AI who's threatening to destroy everything. And she's doing well, but unfortunately she has to win an insane amount of games. The The odds were against her because uh, she's she basically keeps doubling her winnings, but she's only starting at 24 and she has to win like 15 million back. So mm-hmm. you, you can imagine how many games she's having to play to get to that number. Mm-hmm. And the reason that she has to get uh, these 15 million avatars back, or at least some of them, which uh, the AI has taken the identities of, is because one of these avatars has the codes to the uh, the nuclear missile or whatever that's coming towards them on the Earth. And if they uh, find this avatar in the massive amounts that they're trying to gain back from this AI, then they'll have the codes and then they can stop what's happening. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, as you say, Jack, the odds are kind of stacked against him because he has like a hundred million of these avatars and it's like finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. And, you know, again, he's an AI, so he can learn. So that's the whole thing. He keeps losing, but then he figures out the algorithm. So mm-hmm. that's that's the unfortunate thing. But then but then when all hope seems lost after she loses um, the people, the people of the world, they all come together just like in the Digimon movie. Just like in the Digimon movie, they all come together and they they give Natsuki their own avatar to wager. Man, I cried like a baby. There's just like this whole global family and global community thing of like everybody coming together in order to save not only their own families, but the family of the world. Man, wholesome. Ah. Uh. Love it. Again, this is this is how you end a movie. I mean, is it predictable? Sure, but it hits. It hits and it's beautiful. Yeah, you gotta love beautiful, it. Beautiful, Jack. Uh, it's beautiful. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Obviously, uh, because again, anytime I recommend these things, I never know how people will feel because, you know, it's just my own opinion. I don't know how others are going to feel. Uh, we've I've definitely done podcasts where, uh, you know, Malcolm or other guests did not l- love things as much as I hope they did. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed this. But we still have a bit more plot to discuss. So anyways, they've defeated Love Machine but unfortunately, the the probe, which is known as the they're uh, known as the Arawashi, 
it is still uh, heading to their estate, unfortunately. Yeah, there you go. The probe, the probe. Mm-hmm. The probe, yeah. It's mm-hmm. probe, missile. It's, it's it's functioning the same way as it it's would. It's a missile-shaped <laughs> probe, so it's confusing. It looks like a missile. Uh, but what's great about this is it gives two other characters the chance to shine. It gives Kenji something to do because he has to solve the math equation. And it gives Kazuma or uh, Kazuma and his avatar, uh, King Kazuma, it gives them a win finally. Because, you know, King Kazuma, who started off as such a badass, actually takes quite a few L's versus Love Machine. So it's nice that he gets to gets to deliver what's like a 30 second long punch to Love Machine. Yeah, and God, that made me ball like a baby again because, like, this kid, and um, as we learn, is this whatever 13, 12, 14 year old kid. I don't remember how old he is, but he's he's been bullied. They mentioned that um, in school he was bullied so badly that uh, his uncle, this uh, youngest grandpa of the bunch, or whatever, I don't know, anyway, um, that young man but he's an old man that brings the boat you know who i'm talking about jack blonde mustache changing i know you're talking about martial arts badass ninja grandpa grandpa Um, exactly exactly he so he um he's the one that teaches cosmo martial arts because he was so badly bullied in school and then cosmo takes this knowledge into the video game into his avatar to compete in like martial arts tourneys in the game and he's very very good at it because he's been really training in life and now he's really trained himself in the game to the point where he uh tells kenji that's our main character right i'm not fucking up the name right you're correct yeah okay great um or to the point where he tells kenji he's like this is not a game. This is a sport. People who call this a game aren't taking it seriously. When you uh, call it a sport, that's something that you want to win. Like, it's a serious thing for you to win. And for Cosmo, being this bullied kid who, like, finds this online persona, and he's actually world famous because he's number one ranking in these martial arts tourneys um, across the globe in the land of Oz. And they actually uh, play his tourneys, like, on screens. Like, you'll see, like, people watching on their cell phones and, like, uh, screens on like the train that uh, Kenji's traveling to the country home to actually play these tourneys that Cosma's in. And then when we find Cosma, he's just this like 13 year old that's locked in a corner of the house in his laptop. And how it's it's so funny how common this is in the real world, you know, like when the, these kids who don't, um, well, I can't judge completely, but I mean, these kids who don't seem to have much of a uh, social life or like many time consuming activities outside of their computer game really get a chance to shine within the game without being known outside of the game, if that makes sense. So that was where he could really shine. And it was just so wonderful and so heartwarming and emotionally touching to me how um, he took so many L's, as you say, and he was so supported back into the game by his family and lifted up by his family, even though he was so hard on himself as a kid, to the point where even the whole global community of family stood behind him and lifted him up too and made him feel that acceptance and strength. That was, God, that's that's everything to me. I'm like a huge sucker for acceptance stories. Like, Happy Feet makes me ball, man. I just, that was my tangent. Thank you for listening, everyone. I love it. I love it. So, the missile, the probe missile, fucking whatever. Uh, it does end up uh, hitting, but it hits the estate's entrance, which causes the geyser to erupt. So, creates like a hot spring for them. So, that's nice. So, yeah, hopefully they'll get some money because apparently ever since um, their grandpa, who was, I guess, the great grandma's um, husband, squandered all of their ancient family money from the silk trade, 
um, maybe that hot spring will now bring business to them. I hope so. Of course, I can't can't uh, forget to mention this. The movie ends with uh, Natsuke. She finally kisses Kenji, although it's like a cute uh, peck on the cheek because Kenji, being being a horny teenager, can barely can barely, can barely even handle a basic kiss. Because this kid is having a nosebleed. He's oh, having yeah. a nosebleed from solving um, all of these like math problems at the end of the movie where um, the AI is throwing them all at him. All this code that he has to solve and enter back in order to get back into uh, the OS programming and try to um, like you know unlock all the admin permissions and uh, re-divert the missile using their own code away from their house. And he has to solve these math problems within the span of like 10 minutes. And the last one is so freaking intense that his nose starts bleeding. Like he's not even writing anything at this point. He's doing everything in his head because it's so last minute and he gets a nosebleed. Right. So that's why, you know, she can't kiss him because his. It's also it's also definitely due to hoardiness. I mean, in oh, anime, it this, makes it worse. It makes it, it makes worse. It worse. <laughs> so, yeah, saving the world and also being super horny and being like, what, like 16 years old or some shit. I feel yeah. like, no, I feel like they're uh, probably in their late Maybe. teens or early 20s because 16, his, his 17? Back, no, no, no. Late teens, early 20s for sure because uh, their backstory was that uh, for, for Kenji, right? The fake backstory was that he had um, he had gone to Tokyo U, right? And he had studied abroad in America. So he could only do that if he was in university, right? So at this point, he must be at least 19, 20 or something like this. Well, no, the family even comments. They're like, yeah, that kid looked way too young to be in university. Oh, yeah? There's, okay, okay. There's, there's a oh, line he's in the younger f- than her, isn't he? Yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. The, fam- yeah, yeah. the family makes a, one family member. It's like a, an offside comment. They're like, oh, yeah, no, he was uh, way too young. And it's like, why do we even believe right. that? That's right. But, yeah, that makes it even cuter. And you know what? I think that we failed to mention the fact that Wobske, actually, when he came back into um, the fold of the family after uh, Nasuke calls him and tells him to come back and help with this uh, AI breaking thing because he made the AI and the fact that uh, great-grandma died, which he was like, I refuse to come back if like she's still living there. And she's like, well, that's the thing. She's dead. Um, crying. I'm crying at this point. Um, and he comes back to actually help break this AI. He like crashes the car into the side of the boat that his... Like, uncle cousin whatever the relation is brought and he's just like battered and bruised and he's like guys like what's going on i need to see great grandma like she's dead whatever like i'm ready to break this ai code and he's in that team of like nasuke and kenji and uh, kazuma and everything like that and he's full-on breaking the code and that's like the big peak of his redemption arc is like him breaking the thing that he created you know so yay for him yay <laughs> i said it better myself again you're 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 <laughs> You know, this is the only time we're going to talk about this movie, so we got we got to cover everything we want to say. But uh, I think it's time mm-hmm. for our favorite segment. Cue the music, yo! Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. All right, for those just joining in, if this is your very first episode listening to Is This Anime, here's what we do. The Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character of the film. I shall go first just to give Alex a bit more time. 
I'm going to go with Manske. I think it was pretty obvious. It's uh, predicting my speed wagons is always pretty fucking obvious. Manske, Manske, the man. I love him. He's, he's a cool grandpa. He's, he's got good taste in shirts. I, I, I love how his tank tops are constantly changing. You know, I, I, I love anime TV shows. When you watch a movie like this, you can tell they're, they're, they're relishing the extra money they have. They're like, oh yeah, we can just switch character designs a bunch, you know? So, you know, we can give this guy a different shirt. We can give him a different tank top in multiple scenes. So, you know, it, it's just funny uh, seeing the, the, the fake Nintendo DS, seeing the fake uh, Mortal Kombat t-shirt. I love it. He's like, he's, you know, I don't think streaming video games was, was a big thing in 2009 yet, but I'm sure Manske, Manske's probably got a, you know, a Twitch stream at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure he would. I love he's him like, too. He's uh, what, what game would he be playing? Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's probably playing Fortnite. He's probably a Fortnite streamer or some shit like that. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not playing like, he's not playing like uh Skyrim or, or, or Elder Scrolls or, or, or Elden Ring. Now nah, he's, he's playing like a, a kiddier game because again, he's a child at heart. For sure. Like Overwatch. Yeah. 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 Like stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what, Jack? You kind of stole my speed wagon, but uh, I'm going to go even more speed wagony and even more supporting lower tier character because honestly, in this film, there are so many supporting characters and there are so many that are of a higher tier and are more involved in this film because there are so many characters that he wanted involved. Um, I'm going to go with the kids. I We haven't really talked about the kids much, but how they kind of keep the action and the kind of like laughter going. Um, they're a little bit of com- comedic relief in all of the little scenes. And they kind of like, they literally drag Kenji from place to place. Like the guy that the entire plot is revolving around. So they, in a way, they kind of keep the plot going. And they always kind of gave me a little giggle. And they always kind of made me annoyed in a realistic way that kids can. They were just so well done. So I, I love the kids. The kids are my speed wagon. This is also the type of film where you can honestly just like freeze a frame in Oz and find something interesting. Uh, I wish I wish I watched the, the final scene better so I could have identified which which family members had which avatars. Obviously, like it's it's pretty clear who who Natsuki's avatar is or um, you know, King Cosma, of course. Uh, and again, like I, I talked about my love of Monsuke's ninja avatar, but I'm sure someone out there, if, if you want to freeze frame, you could probably... Uh, probably identify which character had which avatar also before i forget um we forgot the the movie is also has a framing device of a very long baseball match it's like a 15 inning match or something uh one character is holding a picture of of granny while she's watching this this high school baseball game but the thing is the high school baseball game that's her son her son oh, is the okay Gotcha. That's why she's so supportive of him. And it's so wonderful <laughs> that there's at least one family member watching this kid uh, in this whole entire high school baseball tourney that like runs alongside the plot of this entire film. And I love how you're saying how it's a great framing device of all the losses and victories that the characters in the film are going through against the AI and all the familiar ar- all arguments that are happening as well is uh, just the same rises and falls in that baseball game. I love it. <laughs> Again, uh, what's the thing? Good screenplay, yo. I mean, that's the thing. It, it all ties together. It all ties together. There's no there's no filler. It's all killer, yo. Final thoughts on Summer Wars. 
once again, I will go ahead to give Alex a bit more time. This film's a delight. It's a good movie. I picked it. That's why I picked it, because it's a delight. Uh, I I need to watch a couple more of uh, Mamoru Hosada's films, because I have only seen this and Belle. Maybe I've seen The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Obviously, I saw the Digimon movie that he, he directed parts of. But yeah, he's an interesting director. He's uh, no offense to the late Satoshi Kone. He 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 is still alive, so he can continue to make work. So, you know, we'll see. I think you would really like Bell, um, Alex, or maybe maybe not as much as Summer Wars, because I just I think Summer Wars is just perfect, but certainly very similar vibes just with the whole take on the digital world. And again, this movie, it only came out in 2009. It clearly has some ideas that are very prescient. And, you know, who knows what who knows what things uh, will happen in the future. And we'll be like, oh, shit, Summer Wars predicted that, too. Man, that happens. Hey, it's creepy. (laughs) It happens again. You know, when it was like when Facebook and Instagram shut down, I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have that many of my friends numbers. We all use Messenger to communicate. It's like Mm -hmm. I just I just can't talk to someone right now for a while. I just got to wait for them to to turn it on again. Yep. It's interesting, isn't it? And how all of these, uh, there's all these different movies and shows and books that you come across that like predict all these little things that you think to yourself, huh, are we programmed? Are we living in a world that's pre-programmed and the programming is happening? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's met, you know, again, we can have a lot of conversations about that, but alas, I'll just leave, uh, leave it to you for final thoughts for summer wars, Alex. Watch it guys. All right. Cool. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Alex, where can people find you? Do you want to be found? I forget. I know Lizzie doesn't like to be found. Um, well, no, my best friend Lizzie does not like to be found, but I would love to be found. Um, ish. <laughs> if you're ish. curious about me, go ahead. Let's, and go let's, on. let's, it's not like this is like a million listener podcast, you know, you're not. You're... <laughs> well, if you're curious about me, you can go on www.alexandracowell.com. I'll spell it out for you. That's A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-A-K-O-E-L.com. My uh, Instagram handle is at alexandra.coel, spelled in the exact same way. And I have IMDb too. Fantastic. You can find me at Jack is Jack on Instagram, only real Jack M on Twitter, and at this anime pod on Instagram and Twitter. Our Twitter basically is non-existent at this point, but we're on the IG because tw- Twitter is just kind of boring. I don't know. In- Instagram is cooler. Um, I agree, Jack. You got to pick and choose your social medias. <laughs> you got to pick and choose. I'm a, you know, I. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. I like Twitter for like following comedians, but yeah, for is this anime? Our uh, our Insta is the cool one. Anyways, I'm sorry. I don't have an and remember. Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) And remember, uh, please, please just take a break from the internet. I'm a hypocrite. I can't do that. (laughs) Bye.